Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first edition of VCC's brand new show, where we break down the modern construction industry. Today, we are talking city centers, specifically what it takes to plan, build, and maintain them. And to break it down, we brought in the expert himself, VCC's own rising CEO, Derek Alley. Derek, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Thank you, Ben. Well, it's so great to have you on, Derek. I know you guys have completed even just recently some brand new city center projects. We're going to talk about that today and maybe some of the things that historical city centers could do to elevate their game in the modern day. So, Derek, let's kick it off really hot from the start. Talk to us about what a modern city center is, right? We're talking. We're not talking about something that's a little bit older. We're talking about 2020, 2030, 2040, something that is a modern city center. What does that look like to you? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, that term city center might have historically meant something very different, right? I mean, it it could have had a, uh, a civic nature to it. It could have had a lot of different things. And I think the transition from uh, city center to multiple community centers is almost a, the best way to describe it. What we've as we've urbanized as a country and as a world, as as population has gotten in, into more dense areas, frankly, you find yourself having to think of it as a community center. What's happening specifically on that corner? What's happening within that radius? And so, um, you know, some of the things that 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 transcends it to is that there's no cookie cutter way to approach it. Um, it's very much so uh, about partnerships. We might get to that here in a little bit later in the discussion, but it's about partnerships from a public-private partnership perspective. It's about partnerships with the community, understanding, you know, really what the locals on the ground want to see. And um, I guess ultimately, you know, we live in a world where there's a lot of drivers to grab people's attention. Uh, and so ultimately, it comes down to having multiple aspects of connectivity. Uh, obviously, in the built world, we see that through a mix of uses. So, you know, apartments, office, retail, but even dialing deeper into that, which we can get into is uh, you want somebody thinking, I have eight reasons to go to this place, not just one reason. So, so developing projects and building projects that are fulfilling multiple aspects of somebody's daily life is critical uh, to create that engagement and that connectivity. Well, you know, Derek, you mentioned that there's not really one cookie cutter approach anymore. What are some of the things that you're seeing that are a little bit more non-traditional uh, in the modern city center? Well, you know, so the reason that it, there's a lot of th ways to unpack that question, frankly, the reason it's non, uh, there's no cookie cutter and you can't rinse and repeat, which is what we all like to do and what we wish we could do. Uh, one is the nature of changing uh, patron interests and demand. So people are changing what they want a lot more quickly than they used to in the past. And, um, you know, the interconnectivity of nature and how we can create urban environments in nature is probably one of the biggest things. I, I, I'm encouraged uh, to see really every qualified developer that we might work with in today's world is figuring out how to touch on a his historic aspect of the community they're living in, to intertwine the natural environment into the the physical built world environment and so and you know a lot of that comes with cost and i think ultimately they're finally seeing that there is a return to be realized from that cost if you really invest in making a place special people are going to come back and they're going to come back for more and they're going to do it quite often 
Well, that's that's great insight, Derek. I, I appreciate that. So one of the questions uh, that we hear all the time, and you know, not only in a city center planning perspective, but maybe in a population growth perspective as well, is, you know, how long does it take to a grow a population big enough in a specific place to warrant the city center, and b how long does it take to actually plan and build that city center? Yeah, uh, great question. <laughs> My facetious answer is uh, it takes somewhere between you know two years and two decades. <laughs> To plan a city center, uh, and and I guess the point I'd make here is, you you gotta you gotta change the scale on which you think of something as a city center. So uh, there's an opportunity in lots of cities, almost every city, even with smaller populations, to create a dynamic experience on the right scale. I mean, and so you know we tend to think of city centers as these you know multiple million square feet mega you know, hundreds of acres types projects or, or super dense vertical type projects if they're not on large land uh, acreage. Um, it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, it's about engagement. It's about doing what really what connects with the community. So so we're, we're currently working in a lot of traditionally suburban markets, frankly, but to de to deliver the urban feel on a smaller scale that there's plenty of demand for. And frankly, uh, the people in those markets deserve it just as much as somebody that lives, you know, in in a, in a New York City or or in LA, and and uh, I'm encouraged again to see really, you know, design development uh, teams and contractors and cities think of ways they can engage uh, existing space and take it to the next level that's right sized for their community. But it it just really depends. Um, I, I mentioned a, I'll keep going, Ben, just for a second. I, I mentioned you know this concept of public private partnership. I can't stress that enough. And frankly, it goes to private-private partnership as well. We can't think of ourselves as competitors in today's world as much as we might have. The best projects, I believe, are done in synergy with not only the local municipalities, but with the, with the other developers that might be around them so that everybody can win together, frankly. And so uh, sometimes that adds level of complexity. And that's why you know I gave you a wide range of how long it might take because it just depends on how grand the vision is that you're trying to deliver. On average, you know, you're spending at least a couple years to get out of the ground. Well, thank you, Derek, for that uh, that really oddly specific answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, you mentioned private-private partnerships. Uh, one of the one of the city centers you guys just cut a ribbon on was called Grandscape, right? And you know, private-private partnerships is you've got an anchor tenant like Nebraska Furniture Mart, but you've also got Shields. Shields. You've also got uh, Andretti Karting um, and Racing. You know, talk about how the the partnership between the the core tenants uh, really is imperative for. Uh, not only planning, but the the promotion of uh, the space. Yeah, it's um, it's a, such a so, it's such an important point, and that interconnectivity between the retailers themselves or the the end user, whatever the use might be, whether it's uh, an outpatient surgery center or whatever it might be, you know, you have there has to be an interconnectivity between the users and what's and what's around them. So. Ultimately, I mean, the beauty of Grandscape, to your point, is there is something for everybody. There's there's a flavor of it's a very walkable environment. There's great 
physical connectivity between the space. So to get from you're not you're not changing experiences when you leave Nebraska Furniture Mart and and you in, enter Shields. You're getting high quality customer service at both places. Same for Galaxy Theaters. Same for Andretti's and you know all the rest of the uses and restaurants around. And so and I and I got to give the Grandscape Development team uh, a lot of credit because they they sought best in quality retailers and tenants that believed in that philosophy and and wanted to be part of something bigger yeah we're going to operate our store on a great level but we know that like we're happy when our customer leaves happy and they're walking into one of our neighbor's stores like that's a good thing it's not it's not we want to keep them in our store and our store alone because ultimately the better holistic experience a patron has the more often and the more likely that they're going to come back uh to take another bite of that apple. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had a chance to visit uh, Grandscape this weekend. Actually, VCC's office is is up in the new Grandscape complex in uh, the Colony, Texas. It's a fantastic space, but you mentioned uh, kind of the, the, the flow from one place to another. Uh, you know, I, I think Nebraska Furniture Mart was built, I think, five or six years ago, and it was one of the only things out there. And you, you talk about building into a flow. How do you build a city center specifically to accommodate for that flow? Is it finding the correct tenants? Is it similar architecture? Is it, you know, similar brick colors? Or, or you know, what do you think yeah. is the key there? Yeah, you got, you got to keep, I would describe it as the human scale in mind. It's so easy to get lost uh, in the forest when you're thinking, okay, I want to maximize the amount of rentable square foot. And because I have a pro forma and I'm trying to get to return, at the end of the day, you got to close your eyes and put yourself as a human being in the space. And and so I think, again, something that we're proud to have been a part of, and I give a lot of credit to the pre-planning that went into this project, um, the level of detail of the customer, the, the human uh, perspective. And when you're walking, you're not walking in some sea of towering uh, buildings where you feel like an ant. You're, you, uh, there's well-maintained and mature landscaping. Uh, there, you know, a lot of connectivity to the outdoor. Obviously, this is a very, they wanted to create in particular a very walkable environment here. So the way you think about things like parking or where restrooms are located and how, you know, these are things that you, back when in the old model of how we would develop space, you might just throw that to the, you know, we're going to put the bathrooms wherever they fit and let's be done with it. No, now you, you want... You want mothers to feel comfortable and 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 know where they're going to go to the rest. You you want this interconnectivity that gets people moving throughout the center because that's ultimately going to be better for for the tenant. So in this case, you know, instead of having a main street with parking in the middle, all the parking is wrapped around the outsides. And once 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 you get out of your car, uh, it really feels like a place you can spend hours at. And 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 that's proving out to be exactly what people are doing. And so it's a you. Don't forget about the human aspect of like at the end of the day, people people are going to be using the space, and um, it just takes being thoughtful. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the human element uh, there as well. Obviously, if humans aren't interested or they're bored or they don't think there's enough to do, they won't show up, right? So, how do you do? Uh, how do you decide on some of the core tenants and maybe some of the amenities uh, that are going to, you know, pop up in this space? Are you guys doing focus group testing? Is there uh, an element of, you know, we want to start with these four or five core tenants and expand from there? What What is your process with that? Yeah, it's all the above. You got to, it's, we still live and, you know, of course, you know, we're the contractor, we're, we're a partner. So we get, we get the benefit of saying, Hey, just tell us what you want to build and we'll build right. it for you. But no, I'm, I'm being, I'm joking because ultimately 
we're sitting around the table as a, as a partner in the process to throw out good ideas and to think about it from that end user experience because ultimately we want to be associated with the projects that are going to be highly successful in the long run. And so, so yeah, I mean, you know, coming back to that that thought process of you got to have some anchor of uh, of critical mass. So whether it's an apartment uh, component that's going to be the anchor or whether in the, in the case of Grandscape and lots of other projects, it's an entertainment district that's going to be the anchor. You need something for the headline billboard to draw people in. Now, what's critical is not stopping there and thinking I can, I can, I can get away with one headliner and then, you know, people are going to come and the rest of it, I can, I can, I can cut, you know, right. cut corners right. and do whatever. It, it, it's a, it's the nuance of experience that keeps c people coming back for more. So uh, eventually authenticity uh, plays out in a really, a really big way. And, um, and again, it ultimately comes down to that customer customer experience. I think we're, we're in a, we're in a world where in particular to retail, because I think city centers in a lot of senses are defined by the retail experience around them because that's what the vast majority of people have a chance to touch and feel. Um, more expertise at, at, at the uh, service provider level. So I think, you know, we, there's a lot of talk about minimum wage and hiring and how can we hire labor. I think you're seeing the best retailers lean in and say, we're not worried about minimum wage necessarily because we're worried about training at a higher level, we're worried about making sure that our salesperson on the floor is knowledgeable about the product and knows how to drive the customer to a great decision that's going to make them happy. And and so those are the types of things that are slowly but surely uh, becoming pervasive. And I think it's a great time to be a consumer because the innovation that's happening in our in our world, but in particular to the built world environment, uh, is tremendous. And so you know I think city centers and cities in general are going to just continue to get better and better and more dynamic for the for the local communities well when you think innovation and you think future-minded there aren't many more places that come to mind than the las vegas strip that's that may not have been what you guys thought that i was going to say but you know when you look back at the las vegas strip derek it's a place that was formed almost a hundred years ago on the core tenet of gambling right and we talk about evolving with the times and planning for the future Vegas is now, I would say, potentially the entertainment capital of the United States. How do you look at a city uh, like Las Vegas and you say, hey, they've adapted really well. How are we going to take some of these tenants and bring it into, uh, you know, some of the things that we're constructing, maybe large scale city centers, but also maybe some of the smaller ones as well? Yeah, well, uh, so I guess I'll come back to the point I just made and build on it a little bit, which is you can't just have the marquee billboard uh, use and ride your coattails on that. So Vegas, the marquee billboard use, obviously, is casinos and casino floors. That's the moneymaker. If they were only worried about, like, okay, this is what makes money, let's replicate it as many times, I mean, the strip would be nothing but casino and, and slot machines. They know that that's not going to work, though, right? People need a place to eat. We want, you want to, a lot of the data that goes into thinking through this is how can I extend the patron's stay incrementally longer than it was before. So in the terms of Vegas, mm -hmm. it may be an extra room night. In terms of Grandscape or other mixed-use centers around, it may be an extra hour or two on the ground, not just coming in and out. And so 
Uh, I think Vegas, there's a lot to be learned from Vegas, you know, whether, and a lot of it comes back to that human scale and that human perspective, walkability. I mean, crossing the, crossing the strip is an uncomfortable thing to do if you have to do it on the, on, on the crosswalk. So what do they do? They've developed these sky bridges. How do we move people between these different uses? And then of course, um, you know, they're on the cutting edge of, of technology and, and digital entertainment. And so it's, um, it's pretty epic what's happening in Vegas. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned because you can scale that down to fit your community. Um, yeah, you're not going to build a, uh, a wind tower and you're not going to build a, you know, thousand foot high Ferris wheel necessarily in every city in the country. But, um, but you can get creative and take, and take aspects of pizzazz that Vegas has defined so well and, and, and bring it to your community for sure. Again, we are on with VCC's rising CEO, Derek Alley. Derek, one kind of final thought here for you is, you know, what are we going to see in the city centers of the future? I think maybe 20, 30 years from now. I think it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit easier maybe to see the five, 10 year plan. What are we looking at at the 10, 20, 30 year uh, mark from now that we might not be seeing right now? I think one thing you're going to see is they're going to be in areas that are going to surprise a lot of people. If you look around your cities and you see areas that um, have not had a lot of investment put into them, that have maybe been forgotten, it may have been a, 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 an important part of the city uh, many decades ago, but it's, you know, all the growth has moved to the suburbs or other parts. Those areas are ripe for revitalization. We're doing a project here in Dallas that we're, we're very proud of called, uh, uh, it's the Redbird Mall redevelopment. And it's a perfect example of how public-private interests can work together to bring economic redevelopment, sales tax revenue, job growth, uh, and fulfill the demand that's in a community that wants that wants to spend dollars on engaging experiences, but just doesn't have anywhere to do it. And so, so, you know, that's one point I'd make about the city centers of the future. I, I, I think we're going to look back and and be surprised in cities all across the country that, oh, my God, I thought that area would never get the type of investment it's had. And, and now it's getting it. And and I also think that cities themselves are rethinking their role. Um, Texas is a is is a playbook for any other Anybody else around the country that wants to see how it's done, uh, Texas is a playbook for public-private partnerships, and and uh, we're winning in a big way because of that. But um, there's a lot of city-owned land and city responsibility to, to 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 sort of engage those those areas uh, and and incentivize private developers and and private interests to help them along the way. So. Derek, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate your insight. It has been incredibly valuable. Thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, we've been on today with rising CEO from VCC, Derek Alley. I've been your host, Ben Thomas. Join us again next time. Thank you.